Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, what's up, y'all? And welcome back into another episode of Believe in the ATP Tour. I'm your host, Jacob Sersosimo, and today you're listening on the Believe Network. Uh, can you believe the season's pretty much over? Uh, it's so close to being over. It is just a, you know, at the end of this month, this season will be over. We're already at the ATP Finals. The Davis Cup is right around the corner, which wraps up the season. But for a lot of players, the season is over. We'll get to that here in a little bit. But first, let's start with the Next Gen Finals. I talked about the Next Gen Finals last week in the podcast, and the Next Gen Finals is really Who's next coming up? I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory. The next generation of great tennis players. What I really like about it is usually in the next gen, in this finals, they explore different things they want to bring into the sport of tennis. So there's different things that they do at this that is kind of what they're trying to dip into the professional, you know, dip into the professional world of tennis. Let me give you an example. So this year, the new rules at the 2022 Next Gen Finals, there were no changeover after the first game of each set, one sit-down per set after three games, and a sit-down at the end of each set. I must clarify, there's only four games in a set here. So what I believe they're experimenting here is they're experimenting less sit-downs during the match, maybe to make the matches not as long, right? Maybe it's every you know, three or four games, maybe every three games instead of every two games or something, right? I don't know what it is, but that's something you like, that's something they're testing here. But also it's important that when I say one sit down per set, the sets are only four games, so they're not as long. Uh, and then there's a 15 second serve clock following aces, double faults and unreturned serves uh, down from 25 seconds. So that's important because it was 25 seconds, but he, I'm guessing they believe that aces, double faults, and unreturned serves, You don't. it's not a long point. You don't need to you know wipe your towel or anything. You just get right back online and serve again. That's where I'm guessing they're going with that. But I think that's what makes the, the next-gen finals so unique. And I, I kind of do like the next-gen finals because they do stuff like that. A few years ago, I believe, when Shapo was there, they did coaching and they put headsets on the players. And the cool part about it was not only did players get to talk to their coaches and coaches get to talk to players, but it also let the fans in on what they were talking about. So it was very interesting from a fan point of view because you got to see an interaction between a player and a coach mid-match. One, this is very new to them, so they're not used to it. But two, fans get in on the fun a little bit, and that's kind of the entertainment side of tennis. You see that happen all the time with NFL films and you know miking up players all the time. You don't really see it in tennis. Is that the way they're going in tennis? Who knows? But I think it's very, very interesting. What does help is there micro is there's microphones all around the court, so like you don't have to mic up a player because you can pretty much hear them all the time. Uh, but let's get to the next gen finals. Uh, I talked about it last week. The big names in it were, you know, you got Jack Draper, you have Brandon Nakashima, Lorenzo Musetti. Those were the big names. Now. Holger Rune was supposed to be in it, but he dropped out because he's an alternate at uh, at the ATP Finals. So he didn't play in this tournament with a chance to maybe play in the big tournament. But he didn't play in this tournament. I said last week, I didn't know who was going to win this because I don't know a whole lot about these guys. But I said, I think one of the big three are going to win it. Jack Draper, Nakashima, and Musetti. Because those are the most well-known names and most established names on tour right now. And the American, Brandon Nakashima, wins this tournament. I think that's a great win for Brandon Nakashima. Not only, 
is an American getting more recognition, and he's had a really good year. But for an American to win a, a tournament like this where there's so many other countries, especially European countries, for an American to be part of the next gen, I think is really, really important and awesome to see Brandon Nakashima winning this. He beats Leheka in the final in three sets, 4-3, 4-3, 4-2. Nakashima has only been pro since 2019, so he's had to go through a COVID year. He's had to go through a few COVID weird years, but at age 21, he is number 48 in the world. So for him to be where he's at right now, I think is awesome. And he's definitely a youngster in American tennis to keep an eye on. There's a lot of good young Americans right now. You look at Taylor Fritz, who's playing in the ATB Finals, uh, Francis Tiafo, Tommy Paul, Riley Opelka, Brandon Nakashima, Ben Shelton. All these guys are fairly young still. Um, and these are guys that are coming up in the ranks for American tennis. I am looking forward to and hoping, uh, as an American and someone who follows American tennis, that instead of just being a, a solid group of just like good players in the top 20, there's a few of them that have like great, great careers, win a few grand slams, are more like Agassi there. Um, will it happen? I'm not sure. But as they're all playing right now, it seems like they gotten more serious over tennis over the last year or so, and they're all starting to shine, which is awesome to see. Sticking with finals, I want to get to the WTA finals that was in Fort Worth over the last week or so. And what kind of happened down there? I, I touched on it last episode. I want to touch on it again. Caroline Garcia, the 29-year-old, wins w, the WTA Finals. And that was against Arena Sabalenka. She wins in straight set 7-6, 6-4 in the final. This is a huge win for Garcia. There were a lot of good names in this. Uh, I thought, you know, Shvaitak might win this one. Uh, Coco Goff was in this. There were a lot of good players in this tournament. But Garcia just didn't really flinch. I mean, she played phenomenal tennis this entire week. She didn't face a break point, and it was the biggest title of her life. This one is. Uh, and she had an incredible second year, or second half of the year, I should say. A year ago, she was uh, just outside the top 70 in the world. And with this win, she'll go to her career high ranking of number four in the world. Incredible, incredible story by, Gar by Garcia. I love the parody that's in women's tennis. I really do. There's uh, ladies like Garcia that can do stuff like this on any given week. In tennis, a or in men's tennis, a little less parody just because the big three have been so dominant. But, you know, next week I'll probably touch on that a little bit more uh, about the men's side. But I love the parody that's in women's tennis. I think it makes it so much more exciting, uh, you know, than the men's side because. You don't. You really don't know who's going to win matches. On the men's side, sometimes it's not even fun watching matches because you just know who's going to win. On the women's side, you really don't know because there's so many, you know, elite players that can win on any, any given day. So, awesome for Caroline Garcia to win the WTA Finals in Fort Worth. And with that, the women's season is over. One other tournament I want to get to real quick that uh, a big name kind of won in American tennis. I just mentioned him not too long ago, but Ben Shelton wins the ATP Challenger that's in Knoxville. It's his second straight Challenger title, and he wins it over Christopher Eubanks, 6-3, 1-6, and then in a tiebreaker, uh, 4 in the last set. Uh, he wins on a thrilling point. A lot of confidence coming out of Ben Shelton right now as he plays these challengers through the end of the year. I know he just turned pro, but this is kind of his growing period, and he's getting to that point, which is, I think, for American tennis, awesome to see. He's really, he's really like evolving into this, I think, and it's it's awesome to see Ben Shelton find some success. I do like Eubanks. 
I do like Eubanks, but Ben Shelton having this success on the Challenger Tour, I hope just you know excels his career uh, next year when he gets to Australia and plays in some of those bigger tournaments against some of those bigger names. All right, those are the tournaments that are going on. I'm going to get to the ATP Finals next week, but before I let you go on this seems like a shorter podcast, I want to get to some news and some things. Uh, I talked about the season ending earlier. Uh, Yannick Sinner posted on Instagram that uh, his season's over, obviously, didn't make the ATP Finals, um, but he said it's been his most challenging year yet. He learned a lot of things, a lot of ups and downs, but he's focusing on the positives. Uh, I'm a ho- I'm I would look forward to Yannick Sinner having a great year in 2023. He's an elite player, an elite, elite player. I think it just comes down to if he can stay healthy and stay at that elite spot. Uh, But he's one of the most exciting players, I think, to watch on tour, and I love watching him play. But I think health is the biggest thing for Yannick Sinner moving forward. In Australia, before the Aussie Open, the United Cup is happening. I've talked about this in a prior podcast, but Iga Sviatek and Ravion Nadal are confirmed to play in the United Cup. The top seeds in the United Cup are Poland, Spain, Greece, the United States, Italy, and France. And I think a lot of big names are going to be playing in this tournament. The draw is also out for the United Cup. In A group, it's Greece, Belgium, and then it's going to be a qualifier. And then it's France, Croatia, Argentina. In F group, in B group, it's Poland, Switzerland, and a qualifier. In E group, it is Italy, Brazil, and Norway. Ooh, Italy and Norway, both in those. Casper Ruud, you look at guys like Lorenzo Musetti and Matteo Berrettini and uh, Yannick Sinner for Italy. That'll be interesting. This is, I think, a really good group. Group C, the United States, Germany, and Czech Republic, just because the U.S. has the guys I mentioned earlier in this podcast, but Germany's got Sparov, so that'll be interesting. And then this group, I think, is the best group. Group D, it's Spain, Australia, and Great Britain. Ozzy is going to have you know, Alex de Manure. They're going to have Nick Kyrgios, Kakanakis, those guys. Spain's going to have Carlos Alcaraz, uh, I believe. They're not confirmed. These guys aren't confirmed, but I'm just assuming these are who's going to be on these teams. Uh, Nadal is confirmed for Spain, but then Great Britain, you have Daniel Evans, you have Jamie Murray, Andy Murray, uh, and oh my gosh, I can't think of the third guy, the last guy, the uh, Cam Nori. Th- those guys. I don't know how I forgot Cam Nori, but Cam Nori. So the United Cup, I think, is gonna be awesome. Uh, it seems like men, women, everybody. So it's gonna be awesome to see, and I'm excited about it. But that is what's going on right now in the United Cup, and really in the tennis world. I want to end this podcast today on a little bit of a higher note, uh, kind of a fun note. Someone tweeted a while back and said, uh, days from entering the top 10 to reach world number one. So it's players that have reached the top 10, the number of days from when they first reach the top 10 to when they reach world number one. And at the top is Alcaraz. He did it in 140 days, right? The very bottom of the list is Andy Murray. 3,493 days it took him to get to world number one from being in the top 10. And he tweets it and goes, I think it's called perseverance. And (laughs) Marty Fish responds and goes, why'd you wait so long, dude? Uh, I think Andy Murray's great on Twitter. I think he's funny. But it's just it shows how hard it is to get to world number one and exactly what Carlos Alcaraz did over this last year. Murray, one of the, you know, Murray Agassi did it in, 2,499 days. It just shows how hard it is to get to world number one and how fast that Carlos Alcaraz did it. Incredible. It really is. 
Next week, we're talking about the ATP Finals, everything that's going on in Turin right now. A lot of drama, a lot of weird things happening, uh, but it's going to be good to recap. I'm excited to see who wins that tournament. It's still going on throughout this week, so you still have time to watch it and catch up on some matches if you want to. I'll talk to you next week. We'll get down to that, and then the Davis Cup isn't too long away. ATP Finals, though, next week. See ya! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.